How's everybody doing today? A quick forecast while things are, are getting set up on this beautiful last Sunday in the month of April. It's the last day of April. Can you believe tomorrow's May 1st? It's crazy. Thank you very much. All right, so I've got this green on today. And I've got several, several layers of green. I've got a green hoodie, a mint green shirt. Oh, and I've got, I finally have my green mug over here. I know this is all very distracting, but we have green graphics. Remember, the, the keeping it hot, there's the mug. So that is the mug right there. And you ready for this? Everybody ready? Green socks. Uh, now, just to let you know that I really considered a Kelly green shirt, Kelly green trousers, and green shoes like Pastor Nick has, but that's really a fashion no-no. You've got to have a little, little bit of, of um, contrast. So that's the contrast. Don't worry, I am going to change because I don't want to be this distracting. Um, but uh, I, I wanted to match all the graphics today. And the thought hit me. I had this green hoodie on, on, the, on the bed and I thought, wait a minute, I could wear the green hoodie for a little, just for a little bit. Not to be distracting. After all, I do not want to take away from the green mug. This needs to be the center of attention, just like the, uh, the graphics up there. So, all right. This looks a little bit better, I think. And as Sally and Noah say, Dad, you always put your jacket on like a helicopter. You look like a helicopter. <laughs> so, there, I'm ready. Are you all ready? Well, we're about to dig into the book of Colossians. Who here has been going through Colossians this week? Hopefully you've all been reading uh, the, the first 14 verses of Colossians because we're going to start digging in to a really cool book. And we've called it Keeping It Hot for a Reason. But last week, just in case you missed it and in case you weren't here, Go back and uh, watch the introduction because it will help st set up the stages for the rest of this series because we're digging into just one epistle from the Scriptures. It was a letter written to the Christians at, uh, in a place called Coloss. We saw it on a map last week. And again, some historical information as to what and why the apostle Paul was, or why he was writing to the people of Coloss. And it will help us to understand how we can then take this book in this current day and age and employ it in such a way that it will keep our faith hot, which is why we're subtitling this whole series, Keeping It Hot because it's going to keep your coffee mug. Now, I don't have coffee in here. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's a cooler drink, but uh, if I did have hot 
hot coffee, it'd have to have a hot plate in there. That hot plate is the book of Colossians. It'll keep your coffee hot. So we're going to show the strong correlation between the church of Laodicea, we talked about that last week, and the epistle to the Colossians. And we're always gonna go back to this theme of keeping it hot and asking ourselves, how is it and what is it that we're reading in the book of Colossians that will maintain a steady state of our journey as Christians in the world today and keeping our faith on fire, keeping our soul on fire for Christ. That one song that the kids were jumping up and down to, I'm on fire, I'm on fire for Christ. And so reading the book of Colossians will hopefully give you some sparks to keep your coffee or whatever beverage, tea, whatever beverage you like to drink hot, keeping it hot. So we're gonna break down, first of all, the four chapters of the book of Colossians before we start digging in. There are four chapters, and those four chapters can be essentially broken down into three categories. In chapter one, and that's where we're gonna start the first 14 verses, in chapter one, we look at the issues of good doctrine and of the gospel. The gospel meaning the good news of Jesus Christ, what Jesus came to do for us to start with. In chapter two, when we get there, the doctrine of Jesus Christ's preeminence. What is preeminence? In other words, Jesus has always existed. Jesus didn't suddenly come on board and, like us, have a beginning. Mine was on, in the month of May of 1959. That was my beginning. Well, there was no beginning for Jesus. Jesus always existed with the Father, and that is made very evident in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He always, always existed which is tough to wrap our minds around because we're, we're all wired because we all had beginnings. So chapter three and four then, we get into some of the practical applications, especially for this particular era in which we find ourselves. Col Colossians really talks to uh, the, the church today because it has a correlation with the church of Laodicea, as we found out in the introduction uh, last week. Again, if you've missed that, I encourage you to go back and to, to check that out. Okay, you ready to dig in? All right, line by line, we're gonna go through this. And this is the kind of study which, uh, again, my friend Gunnar up in Iceland likes to do because he said it sets aside any pet topics that a pastor has or has a tendency to go into. He will just randomly pick a book. Right now he's in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. And so he will preach on that book and just literally let the text 
lead you as to what should be taught. So this is that kind of preaching. We're in a series, we're gonna stick with one book, and we're gonna let the scriptures, and we're gonna let the passages in the book of Colossians, the letter to the people of Coloss, basically lead us and encourage us and keep our faith hot. So with that, we have 13 New Testament epistles that begins with Paul's name. And that leads us to verse one. Verse one starts, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Now the word translated apostle here is really interesting. And again, we're gonna go line by line, and we're actually gonna draw things out of this that will help our walk. So how does this help us? Well, the word apostle here is from the Hebrew word that means sent one. The apostle Paul was a sent one. If you remember, before God changed his name from Saul to Paul, his bent was to put down this Christian uprising until he met Christ himself. So the term apostle sent one is actually a legal title used for anyone who has the legal authority to represent someone. Now isn't that cool? That's what the apostle, the word apostle here really means. So essentially, Everyone here is, if you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and life, and he is your Lord and Savior, and essentially the driving force of your life, you are an apostle. You are. You have the legal title, because you have the legal authority to represent Christ here on this earth. That is a lofty thing to remember. So who is Paul representing here? Obviously, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we also see that his protege, Timothy, is with him. Okay, let's jump down to verse two. To God's holy people in Coloss, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. The King James Version says, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. Might be another way of saying it. This is actually highlighting a group, not two. However, there is a distinct difference between the, the, the descriptions. We have saints and we have faithful brothers and sisters, those that have been called into faith. So there's a difference between the two. Look at the difference between the two. Saints is that you have been born into a distinctive group. That's what the word saints in this particular passage means. But faithful brothers is actually a response to being included as a saint. So it's, it's actually progressive in nature. So when you get called as or called to becoming a saint, 
born into this very distinctive group called a Christian, you now become a faithful brother. That means that you have a response and a responsibility as a saint and included in this group to step into that role so that the world can see it. Everybody uh, enjoying this so far? All right, let's go on to verse three. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. This is interesting. Why is it interesting that or fascinating that the Apostle Paul is praying for this group because he prays for a lot of people, right? But hang on just a second. Note that Paul is actually praying for a group of people he never met, ever. He just heard about them. Two things happened when the Apostle Paul heard about people that received the Lord. Two things and this is a recurring theme throughout all of Scripture. Anytime the Apostle Paul hears about a group of people that are following the Lord that he has never met, number one, he is clearly, clearly filled with joy. Do you get that sense? He is just thrilled that this group, whom he never met, but has been hearing reports from different people that are following Christ. Remember, too, that Paul is in prison when he wrote this. How can someone in prison feel joy? Well, if you are getting good news about a group of people that are associated with you, even though you've never met, there's going to be a sense of joy that supersedes any circumstances that you find yourselves in. So number one, he's clearly filled with joy. And number two, something else happened. Anytime he heard of someone like that, Paul's prayer list grew. He was praying for them. He included them in his prayers. This highlights how much weight Paul places on praying for people. You know, we've got a great prayer group here at New Promise Church. And if you have time at 9.15 on Sunday mornings, I will try to get back there myself in, in the prep for Sunday morning to, to join them. It's a great group. I'm blessed by being surrounded by a group of people that are not only praying for me as I prepare for Sunday morning, but praying for each one of you, praying for circumstances, praying for things going on in the world, praying this week for the National Day of Prayer, uh, which we will observe on Wednesday. You may want to see what this is all about. If you want your prayer life to be brought up to the next level, join a group who love to pray and you will get that spark, and you will get it. You'll see something that you ordinarily won't see on your own. When you, group, when you join together with a group of people who love to pray. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with the Father. 
When I get up in the morning, good morning, Lord. Good morning, Andre. It's a beautiful day. Thank you for this great day. Yes, it is a great day. Do you look out the window and see what weather I created today? It's a conversation between you and God. It's, a, it's, it's not one-way thing where you're just sending, sending messages up heavenward and hoping that they stick to the ceiling and won't come down. And granted, sometimes it feels like you're, you're lofting stuff up and it just comes smacking down on your heads like that didn't go anywhere. No, it's a conversation. It's two ways. Listen to God's voice and take a prayer walk if you, if you need to do that. Close the door. Have a prayer closet. It doesn't have to be a closet. It can be your office. It can be a, a bedroom. It can, close the door. Get quiet so you can hear God's voice. That conversation begins. The apostle Paul loved to pray for people, especially people that he suddenly realized was a part of God's reborn people. Which brings me to the first point right here. It's up on the screen. Pray for people. Pray for people. Who? Well, people you know, right? People who maybe need healing that you know. In our prayers last night, we had a, in our family prayers, we always pray at about 10 o'clock as a family, and that will continue even when Noah goes out on his own. Sally and I will continue 10 o'clock or whenever it is we get ready to retire for the, for the day. We always pray. We pray for, for the people that we know. We pray for people that need healing because healing still happens today. We pray for people who need salvation. We know people who need the Lord. We pray that God will send someone, even if it's us, to minister to those people, to present the gospel to them. And if it's not us and it can't be us, God, please send someone. Send someone to the harvest, right? Send someone to bring the harvest in people you know personally and people you don't know personally. Doesn't matter. If you know that they need a touch from the Lord, you're gonna pray for them. Now when you pray, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in your prayers as you know, sometimes a thought will hit your head or you think of someone. Well, guess what? That's not you. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying, this is someone I want you to pray for. Pray for people. People you know, people you don't know, people who need salvation, people who need healing, people in your inner circle. People who are blessed by God need prayer prayer for guidance so that they can impact people. We all need prayer. And I'll tell you what, I was really, really, really ministered to over the past few decades when I always had a conversation with Pastor Mike Bragg when he was here on this side of eternity. His wife just recently went home to be with the Lord, 
now joining Pastor Mike, and they're watching from the mezzanine here. But he used to always tell me, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And it wasn't just a glib comment. I knew he meant it. I was in his daily prayers. And only now am I grabbing onto the significance of that. And even now, I tell Sally, you know, the, our friends that are in heaven now, their prayers get to the throne of grace a lot faster than ours here on earth because they're right there. Obviously, I'm, I'm saying that in jest because our prayers are just important, just as important as maybe the saints who have gone on before us in heaven. So, when someone asks for prayer, what do you do? You pray for them right away. You know, when you see somebody on the street that you haven't seen for a long time, maybe they know you're a Christian. Hey, would you pray for me? I've got this going on, or I need this, or I need a touch from the Lord. Okay. And your tendency, all of our tendency will be, especially if you're out in hustle bustle in, in public, to say, all right, I'll add you to my prayer list. All right, see you, bye. Stop, time out. Pray right there. I don't care what's going on. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're on a busy street. I don't care if you're at work. I don't care where you are. If that person asks for prayer, stop and grab a hold of their hand and pray for them right there. The whole world will witness something. And there are people that will, that will, that will notice. I had that happen in downtown Cleveland. Somebody asked me for prayer, and we immediately stopped and prayed. We grabbed the hand, and I, I prayed for them. It was a minute or two, and then we were on our way. Apparently, somebody I knew saw it in the background, and it, this was months, maybe even a year or two later, that said, I saw what you did with that lady. I said, what are you talking about? You were right in the middle of downtown Cleveland on the street corner and you grabbed somebody's hand and you were praying with them. Get, that's visually powerful. When someone else sees that and encourages them, it keeps their faith hot. It does. So when someone asks for prayer, do it right away. Don't wait. Because you may forget. And then, you know, a couple months later, oh, I forgot to pray for so-and-so. Well, if you do it right away, what, what better testimony is there for the person you're praying for and for anybody else that happens to be watching? All right, verses 4 through 6a. Because we have heard of your faith, everybody say faith, in Christ Jesus, and of the love, say love, you have for all of God's people the faith and love that spring from the hope everybody say hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard the true message of the gospel that has come to you did you notice the words that I had you repeat 
Did you notice the trilogy there? This is a key trilogy. Faith, love, hope. First, note that faith is in a person, right? what's, What's the object of our faith? The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. It's not a system. It's not doctrine, even though good doctrine is a good thing. It's not philosophy, even though having a good philosophy is a good thing. It's not a system. It's not doctrine. It's not philosophy. It's all about relationship. Relationship with whom? Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus. We'll come to that trilogy. We'll come back to that trilogy in just a second. That brings me to staying hot point number two. Spending time with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus in prayer, in reading of the word, Doing both will keep your faith hot and on track. All right, let's get back to this trilogy, faith, love, and hope. Ever notice how faith, hope, and love, and they're all interchangeable, but ever notice how these three very often come together in the New Testament, in passages of Scripture? They come together because they're all tied. They're all linked together. I'll show you how here in just a second. But where else will you find faith, hope, and love? You'll find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Write these down. Go look them up. They're, they're great places to link faith, hope, and love. Colossians 1.5, we're going to look at that in greater details in just, in just a moment. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse three. And first Thessalonians verse five, eight. So, so this trilogy, faith, hope, and love, really has, has an interesting interconnectivity to it in several ways and in several levels. Let's break it down the first way. Faith is your soul looking up to God, right? Love works out towards others. Up, out. Hope looks forward to the future. So we have up, out, forward. Faith, love, hope. Isn't that cool? But there's another level that this works on. Faith rests on the past work of Christ. Without what Christ did, there would be no point to faith. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, for you and for me, we have faith. Love works right now. When you say you love someone, does that mean you loved someone in the past? No. Does that mean you will love somebody? You know, I don't love you right now, but I will love you in the future. No, 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 no. When you say I love you to somebody, you mean it right now, or I certainly hope so. So faith works in the past, love works in the present, and hope 
anticipates the future. Faith, past, love, present, hope, future. And these are just two levels on which this trilogy works. Isn't that cool? So, faith, hope, love. Faith, hope, love. Faith, hope, love. That brings an interesting uh, scripture to mind. My question to you, you know what the answer is going to be, and you probably have already anticipated what the question is. Which of these is the greatest? Bingo, it's love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The greatest of these is love. Because love drives so much. All right, let's look at the phrase stored up for you in the passage that we just looked at, uh, verses uh, four through six. And it says, the faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you. It's in verse five. It can also be translated as reserved or laid up. It comes from the Greek word apokimai, and it basically means that this hope has once and for all been reserved for you in such a way that no one or nothing can take it away from you. Isn't that cool? Stored or stored up for you. These things are stored up for you in heaven. They're waiting for you. There is not a single thing or a single power or a single authority that can take that away from you. It's stored up for you. It's there for you. It's a guarantee. It is there. Here's a little side note stored up for you. If you lack assurance in the confidence or the confidence in your salvation, this is related. And put this down in your notes. It's not going to be up on the screen, but put this down in your notes and go look at it. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans 8, 28. If you have the lack of assurance of your salvation, if you've truly placed your faith, faith in Christ, then go read 8.28 this week. In fact, memorize it so that you will no longer have an issue with thinking, boy, am I really saved? All right, let's drop down to verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we'll stop right there, since the day we heard about you, Paul just heard about these people. He had never met them. That is a big, big clue right here. Since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge, everybody say knowledge, of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. This word is translated from the Greek word epinosis. Remember, we talked about the word agnostic. That comes from the word agnosis or without knowledge. And the close tie between the word in Latin, ag agnostic and ignoramus, they go hand in hand. So let's look at this word, epinosis. 
It means divine super knowledge. Now, wait a minute. Weren't we saying last week that Paul was writing this letter to battle the, uh, uh, those that were saying that they had special knowledge? Gnosticism. Remember Gnosticism? Gnosticism was something that was something that they, they had to do a lot of battle with. And especially more so in Colossus than any other place, according to the epistles that were written. Gnosis. There, were, there was this group of people that saying, we have special knowledge, and you must be part of us if you want this special knowledge. We'll stop right there, because the Apostle Paul was saying that you have it. You have access to divine knowledge. You do. Again, we continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. So this puts to rest anyone else's claim to have special secret knowledge. You must be part of our group if you want to be in the know. No, no, no. God makes it, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, he makes it available to you through his Holy Spirit. He does. Let's drop down to verse 11. Be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Note the word power here being strengthened with all power. Say the word power. Who is strengthened by this power? We are. We are strengthened, being strengthened with all power. We're the ones being strengthened by this power. By the way, that is the very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you ever think about that? Every once in a while, I think about that, and I think, whoa, whoa. Oh, the, the word power is uh, the word dynamos, and that sure, certainly sounds like one of the words that we derive in English from the word dynamite, explosive power, dynamos, power. The same power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you. It is. Let that sink in for just a little bit. Anybody getting that? Is there an amen here somewhere? I think the amens were better over here. I'm going to start preaching over here. No, I'm only kidding. Only kidding. I think, that, I think there's a slight about, there are more people on this side, so I think the amens were a little louder over here. So I want to hear it over here. How about an amen from this side? Amen. Oh, they beat you now. So we have power, the same power. Do you ever think about this too? When does eternity begin? When does eternity begin? Eternity actually begins 
not on the day you die. Eternity begins the day you receive Jesus Christ as Savior. You are living in eternity. Of course, yes, we're still in our bodies and we still have to operate on this side of eternity, but until you received Jesus, you were dead. You, that's what scripture says, you were dead in your sins, dead. Dead is a doornail, dead is this thing. Dead is the floor I'm standing on, dead, no life. The day you received Christ, he raised you to eternal life. So eternity begins on the day you received Christ, and here's why. We jump down to verse 13 and 14. Here we go. Oh, this, I love this. I love, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Brought us, he has brought us. The word brought us comes from the Greek word methistemai, methistemai. And it's literally a legal term that was used in that day and age. It's a legal term that means to deport someone from one place and to be planted, fully assimilated into the other. It's a legal term. Deport someone and plant them somewhere else on the globe and fully assimilate them into that new culture. That's what the word brought us, or that term that we use or translated brought us comes from. So we are to live our lives here and now because we're, we're now living in eternity, right? And if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, well, I've got good news for you. Eternity is waiting for you. You can be made alive because right now you're dead. You're dead as, a, as, as this podium. You're dead as a doornail sitting on, on the floor. Just, I mean, it's without life, void of life, the kind of life that is eternal. But you can have eternal life. So once you receive that and have this eternal life, we are brought in to the kingdom of the son he loves. So basically, we have been deported from the way earth does things and brought into God's kingdom, which is still yet to be established on earth. But what are we called to do as Christians? I don't know how many times that, that I've quoted this, but it's, it's something that I just love because it ministers to me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven. What part am I missing? On earth as it is in heaven. That's what this little piece of scripture means. When he brought us, deported us, we are essentially expatriates of the world. You know that? Those of you that are Christ followers, you're all expatriates. And there's nothing wrong with that because where we have been plugged into is God's kingdom 
I'd much rather be there than any other kingdom on earth. I don't care how rich or how glorious it appears because it's not anywhere close to as glorious as what is coming. We sense that in our spirits. The Holy Spirit ministers to that to us all, all the time. Uh, there's a scripture, no eye has seen, no ear has uh, heard, no mind perceived those things that await those that love the Lord. We can't even grasp onto the glory that's going to be established, but we are called to operate in that glory by studying God's word, studying how our new kingdom works and operate in that new kingdom here on this earth. Which brings me to point number three. Don't operate as the world operates. Operate in kingdom principles. Don't operate as the world operates, but operate now because you have been brought in to your new kingdom. You've expatriated from the world. You are now citizens of heaven. I, and, and that brings me, that brings to mind, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, he's a Christian artist. Uh, wonderful. Young. He used to, to be part of, uh, oh, now, now it's totally, see, now I'm on the spot. Now I can't think of his name. I can picture him. Anyway, he did a, maybe you know, he did a, an album called Citizens of Heaven most recently. Any, anybody? Maybe the kids would probably know. Okay. Oh, somebody? No. Okay. Go look it up. King, it's, a, it's a great album cover. It's, it's a, it shows him with his head in the clouds. You can't see his face. That's the cover. Uh, it's a great album. Um, he just recently won the double award a few years ago. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I really digress. Where was I going with that? Uh, don't operate as the world operates. Operate in kingdom principles. If if uh, you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you are a citizen of heaven. Operate in those principles so that the world can see that you operate in a different way, in a glorious way, in a way that's way better than the world. People will notice, and some may even ask you. It's a great point of conversation, and it's a great uh, conversation opener. Again, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven because that's where your real citizenship is. So if you operate in that light, you will be light to those around you. Remember the, the scripture when Jesus was talking about who lights a lamp in a house and puts it under a bowl? I mean, that's silly, right? Why, do you, why would you do that? You light it up, you put it on a lampstand so that the world can see not your light because Jesus gave you that light so that they can see Jesus in you. You become light to the world as you operate in kingdom principles. That's number three. Operate in kingdom principles. Now next week we'll be opening up uh, verses 15 through 20. So we just have... Uh, six verses that we'll be focusing in on. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. It's a short passage. So every day, beginning Monday, 
Look over, read the passages slowly, assimilate them, see what God is telling you, and we will go through those, five, or those six verses as we go through the book of Colossians. Anybody getting something out of this? I hope so. And hopefully it'll keep, yeah! And that's not for me, that's for the Lord's uh, leading you, I'm sure. He's keeping your coffee, he's keeping your coffee nice and hot. Hopefully I wasn't too distracting with the green mug. Should I keep the green mug up there for the rest of the series or should I go back, should I go back to the, 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 the black one and, and, and maybe if I can find a pair of uh, green trousers that are battery operated and, and nice and bright, I'm, you know, I, might, I might wear that sometime. Then again, maybe not because it might be distracting from what we're trying to study. Uh, so we'll continue that next week. Father, we thank you as we dig into your word that you are leading us uh, in this word study. Um, and it has so many implications to what we're going through today in these last days when it's so easy to let our faith become lukewarm. Father, we do not want to become lukewarm Christians. We want to be so hot for you that others will see how attractive it is to sing glory of your kingdom that will be uh, soon established. We see it coming. We sense it coming. Help us to work in those principles now. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Do we have a closing song or I didn't see one. Yeah, I think we do. Good. Everybody stand and let's let's let it rip.
Well, Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the way that it builds us up and it, help us, it helps us to focus on those things that are really important. Uh, we ask that you will keep our faith hot in all areas and so that others will see, not so that they see us, but that they see you and will want that relationship with you. Father, as we go through those doors today, we are reminded that, that there are so many people out there that need you. Uh, help us uh, to point them to that wonderful grace that you've extended to us and the great power, the, the dynamos power. The very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is ours. Uh, help us to operate this week uh, in, in that way. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. All right, we'll see you out there uh, for a little refreshment. We have tacos, uh, I guess, coming up here very soon. See you out there, and we do need the chairs. Yeah, we need the chairs. <laughs>